Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. I guess I'll speak without a podium today. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Jeff. I was going to do it. I can multitask. Thank you. <laughs> well, when I went to Bible college, like most people in the religions department, I had a religious spirit. Just did. Young, cocky, prideful. And Bible college kind of reinforced that for me. And I was surrounded with a lot of other students that had a religious spirit. And it was funny because how, how that kind of affected you and how it would kind of rise up from time to time. I had this particular professor. He was an Old Testament professor. He actually used to teach at Southwest Theological Seminary, and then he came and taught at a Bible college. And so he was really, really hard, and he was really, really intimidating. But one of the things he would do, and it was this huge class, each, each class he would say, hey, you know, what happened to you guys this, you know, over the weekend? Did you, did you get, a, you know, did you get, where'd you guys go to church? And, you know, did you do anything fun? And so people would raise their hand and kind of talk. And, and he just did that to kind of get everybody to, to, to know one another. And, and I always wanted to say something. But it seemed like I never had anything to say. And then one Thanksgiving, I went with my roommate home to Memphis. That's where he lived. We went with him uh, to, to Memphis. And he went to a church called Bellevue Baptist Church. It was the largest Southern Baptist church in Memphis. And when I was there that weekend, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention spoke, Adrian Rogers. Okay, that's a, that was a big deal for Southern Baptist students to get to hear Adrian Rogers speak. And he was, you know, he's a great guy and, and everything, but we, we held him up on this pedestal. And I thought to myself when I was in church, I can't wait to raise my hand in my Old Testament class and tell them that I got to hear Adrian Rogers and so I went back after break, and it was Monday, and came time, you know, for the professor to ask everybody, and I was, I was trying not to raise my hand too enthusiastically, and, and then finally I did, and he goes, yes, yes, uh, Mr. Roseberry, looking on the list, he goes, uh, what, what do you have to say? And I said, well, you know, I, uh, over Thanksgiving break, went to Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, and I got to hear President Rogers speak, pride just welling within me. And he must have sensed this because he said, oh, yeah, what do you speak on? <laughs> and I said, the first thing that could come to mind, I said, sin. <laughs> so, now, Bible college, you learn good stuff. And then all, like any other education, you, you take classes and, and you pay for them. And you go, no, 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 why did I just pay to go through this semester for this class? I'll never use it again. 
But there was one class I took my first semester. It was called Practical Discipleship, and it taught me how to have a devotional life. It taught me how to journal. In fact, we bought these spiritual journals, and, and one of the books that we had to buy as, as, as a curriculum for the class was a book called Practical Discipleship. And it was wonderful because it taught me to have my coffee with God, or it taught me to have my devotional life. And one of the things that it taught me is that as you're reading the Bible, you need to make sure that when you read it, when you start a new book, you, you figure out who wrote it. Who wrote it? When, it, when was it written in, what, in, in the timeline? Who was it written to? And, and, and was, it, was it written to Christians? Was it written to non-Christians? Who, who was it written to? And, uh, uh, and, you know, in the culture that was happening around it. And so, if you, it, first of all, I hope you have a good Bible. I hope you have, if you don't, go, go to our bookstore and get a life application study Bible. Those are wonderful. And get a, uh, a translation that you can understand. The New Living Translation is a really easy translation to understand. And at the beginning of every book, it will tell you who the author is. Who, what the purpose of the book is, what the key verse is, who it was written to, and, and then it will help you better understand Scripture as you read it. Now, the other thing that this course taught me was it taught me as you're reading Scripture, if you get to a part where you come to a question in your mind, you stop and you answer the question. Or, or you research it and you try to figure out. So if, if you're reading Scripture and something causes you to pause and go, why did they do that? Why did, they, why did they, they say that? Why was that going on? Then it, it prompts you to dig further into Scripture. Now, there was this song that used to remind me to do this when I was in college. It was like, in fact, 91 when it was released by CNC Music Factory. You remember it? Remember those guys? Go ahead and play that, a little portion of that. that make you go, hmm, right? That's supposed to be the running man. At 54, it looks more like a choo-choo train. I, I realize that. But when I'm writing scripture now, if I pause, if, 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 if a question comes around, it makes me say things that make me go, hmm, hmm, why did they write that? Why did he say that? What must have, been, what must have been the people been going through as the scripture was read? And a lot of times the messages are birthed out of that question. Out of that question. And in fact, today, this particular passage that we're going to be looking, about, looking at was just through a Bible study that I was having. I was just reading it. And it is in 2 Peter, and it is written by Peter and the, the, the apostle Peter, the, the man that was the, the, the rock of the church, right? He, was the, he walked with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' best friends. He's the guy that defended Jesus the night before he was crucified when he cut the, uh, the ear off of the, the uh, high priest's servant and, and, and trying to protect Jesus. He was also the same guy that denied Jesus that same night three times. He was the same guy that 53 days later spoke at the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. He got to see the birth of the church. He got to see the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit work in people's lives and in a massive way. He was one of the first people to see that. You fast forward in his life 60 years, and Peter's in prison under the emperor Nero. And Nero was an emperor who killed Christians. He loved to kill Christians. And Peter was facing certain death. 
And he had an opportunity to write a letter to his followers and give some famous last words. Now, if you knew you were going to die, if you knew that that was right around the corner, what would you want to say to those that you love? What would your last words be? I mean, you'd want, them to, you'd want to choose them wisely. You would you want to make sure that they were impactful. So let's see what this man who walked with Jesus said in the last days of his life. Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to walk right through verse by verse this first, this first chapter of Second Peter. The Bible says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. Okay, so we've established that Peter's writing it. We've also established that he is writing to Christians. That, that he, he's writing to people that have the same precious faith that he has. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now, we all want that, right? We all want more grace. We all want more peace in our life. By his divine power, verse 3, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great, a great and precious promise, or great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, when I read through that scripture, there were several times where I was like, hmm, hmm. Okay, it starts with faith. I want grace and peace. And then God has given me everything that I need. And these are precious promises. And these promises will enable me to share his divine nature, his character, and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I want some of that. I want some of that, especially in this new year. I mean, this is the time when we clean out the boats. That's what we've ta been talking about the last few weeks. We, we, we set these resolutions. We, we make sure that we make some changes in our life early in the year that will last throughout the year. And as I read the scripture, we see that it all starts with our faith. And we need to embrace that. We need to embrace our faith because everything starts there. Our belief in Jesus is the foundation of everything good in our life. Now, Hebrews 11 is this beautiful chapter in the Bible that explains faith in such an incredible way. And I, and I really encourage you to, to take your Bibles and, and, and study that chapter, like read all the way through it. But I'm going to just talk about this first verse in Hebrews 11 for a second, and I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Isn't that cool? So everything starts here. Everything starts with faith. It's like the foundation of a home, and your foundation has to be solid. Secondly, God has given us everything we need? Really? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. 
not some things, everything. That's a powerful statement. Then he says, and in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So this means he has given us everything, but we have to do our part. We, we have to respond. Now, you can re- receive a gift and never open it. Right? You, you can get a gift and you can never use it. But God's saying, I'm giving you these promises. I'm giving you these gifts. I want you to respond. So here's seven responses as we continue through 2 Peter chapter 1 that we need to have in our life. These are the responses to that faith. These are the, respo- the responses to these promises. The first starts with faith. Everything is hitched to faith. But you add to faith moral excellence. Moral excellence or virtue. The scripture says, supplement your faith with generous provisions, or a generous provision of moral excellence. So virtue or moral excellence is having the courage to do the right thing no matter what the circumstances might dictate. And we're putting those situations every day. This is where we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through moral and ethical issues. And we need to be asking God for that every day. God, help me, guide me, help me to make the right decisions. There's not many people on the planet that walk around going, I just want to be unethical. I just want to to be immoral. Now, sometimes our actions will lead us in that direction. But most of us would say, I want to make good decisions. I want to be moral. I want to be ethical. We want to make sure that we're making those things happen in our life. But we can't. We, We are not capable of morality or living ethically without God working in our life. So faith with moral excellence and then moral excellence with knowledge, the Bible says. Moral excellence with knowledge. Now, do you guys remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, when CU was really, really good at football? And they were awesome under Coach McCartney. And some of you are like, no, I don't remember. I wasn't even born yet. But we used to be good. And we used to have this rivalry with Nebraska. We hated Nebraska. We couldn't stand Nebraska. And it was every year we would play them. It was just this tough, fought game, and it was super contested. And a lot of times the winner of that game would go on to the national championship. I went to a Nebraska fan one time, and I was like, hey, what does that N mean on the side of their helmets? He goes, knowledge. (laughs) Some of you are just now getting that. Knowledge anchored in the truth from Scripture. Knowledge anchored in the truth from Scripture. That's where culture is missing it today. And this is why you have to be reading your Bible daily. We, we have to get our knowledge from the truth, not from the world. And then knowledge with self-control. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control, that, that's a tough one. That's hard. That's hard. It's hard to have self-control with with what we say. It's hard to have self-control with our decision-making. It's hard to have self-control when we're out and we're doing things with our friends. It's hard because it's so easy just to do what feels good in the moment. But this is living a life from our flesh, not in control. This is something else that on a daily basis we need to be asking God. Help us, give us self-control in every situation we face. Self-control is having the discipline to do the right thing when everything in you wants to do the wrong thing. 
that self-control. Now, the world, this culture, has a problem with self-control. In fact, many of the, the reality shows that, that, that you might watch are getting a group of people together with no self-control and filming them. That's what reality show usually is. A reality show usually is. I mean, it's TV gold. People love to watch it because people struggle with having self-control. And, and they're really, really good at, 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 making, at justifying it, right? Well, this is just me. I'm just living, living my life, and this is my truth, and I'm, I'm young, so I'm just going to go and, and, and just live the life that I want to live, making the decision. Whatever I want to do, whatever, whatever decision I want to make, I'm just going to do it. Self-control is a lost virtue today. And the truth is, is even as Christians, if we don't ask for self-control from God, it's going to be hard for us to have it. Then self-control with patient endurance or perseverance, stick-to-itiveness. My coach used to call it intestinal fortitude. I remember coming in as a freshman and playing, playing football, and my coach would be like, Rosemary, come on now, have some intestinal fortitude. And I was so ignorant, I had no clue what that meant. I'd go home after practice every day and take Pepto-Bismol trying to fix my intestinal fortitude. <laughs> so, perseverance. Perseverance. Think about through your life. What built your perseverance? What built your perseverance as you were growing up? Well, early on in my life, God taught me perseverance through sports, through getting through college on my own. I mean, I remember going to practice, and I would, I would pray things like, God, get me through this practice. Get me through this, this, this Monday practice. Now, on track, we used to have this workout on Mondays, and it was called 490 Day. Now, you might go, 490? Oh, is that 490-meter sprints? No, 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 no. That's four 490-meter sprints. Now, the 400 is one of the hardest races there, there is in, in track and field. One of the most exhausting, one of the most uh, strenuous on, on your body because it, it is a 400-meter sprint. And my coaches had this sick idea that if we can get our sprinters not to just run and practice 400 meters but then add 90 more onto the end, by the time they get to the meet, they'll be thanking God they're running 400 meters and not four 490 meters. They built perseverance. It built strength within us. And I, I remember praying, God, you know, help me, help me make this team. God, help me pass this test. God, help me write this paper. Those are things that build perseverance in our life. Going through trying times with the Lord builds that perseverance, that intestinal fortitude. Now, the Bible the word in the Bible refers to the harsh training of an athlete. So when you look into the original Greek, that's what that particular word comes from. And, and they would use it in a training uh, illustration. But Peter uses it here and thinks, hey, hey, remember how you trained? You look at how the, the athletes train? They train building perseverance. Perseverance means voluntarily and continually enduring difficulties and hardships for the sake of honor. So we all want that. Right? We all want perseverance. We all want to finish strong. And then it says perseverance or patient endurance with godliness. Now, when you look at this word in the original text, this is speaking of reverence or respect for God. We need to have reverence or respect for God. 
which means we're humble before him. We recognize who he is and who we are, so we're humble before him. We don't go through the motions in our relationship with him. That's easy to do, right? We take him for granted. We take our time with him for granted. We don't go through the motions when we have a chance to worship him. Think about that for a second. In week one, we were talking about the importance of being present with our families, right? Being present as a, as a father, being present as a husband, be a present as a mom or, or, or as a wife. Be, you're present with each other. You're not checked out. You're not, you know, watching the TV and just kind of really not into what your, your spouse is saying or, or you're, you're, you have divided attention with your kids. You're supposed to be with them, but you're thinking about something else. It's the same thing with God. We need to be present with him. We don't really, in the grand scheme of things, as far as all the minutes in, in a week, spend that much time with God, even, even if we're pretty consistent in comparison to all the other time that we have. So the time that we do have, we need to be present. When we come in to this worship center, we need to be present. We need to be going, okay, God, I'm leaving everything, all my worries, all my frustrations, I'm leaving that in the parking lot. When I come in here, I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to engage with you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to receive from you. That's the godliness that this is talking about. We also need to guard our time with God, right? Don't don't let things get in the way of our appointment with God. That's so important that we do, because everything gets in the way, right? Have you ever noticed when you say, you know what, this week's going to be different. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to some worship music. And then everything you can imagine comes against that. Where do you think that comes from? It's not coincidence. That's the devil trying to distract you. He doesn't want you to spend time with the Lord. So we got to make sure that when we set that appointment, it's the most, appointment, most important appointment we have throughout the whole day. Then six, and I, I said that there were seven things that we needed to have, seven responses we needed to have, but I'm combined in uh, brotherly kindness and love because they're similar. But godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now this is the opposite of selfishness. Loving others as you love yourself. And if we practice that, if we really practice that scripture, man, there would, no, be, there would be no one in our life that wouldn't feel loved and appreciated. So, what will happen if we practice these virtues? I love what Peter says here because he lays it all out. He says, this is what you need to do. This is what God has given you. This is, needs to be your response to what God has given you. And this is what's going to happen to you if you practice these virtues, verse 8, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be more productive. I want, I want to be more useful. And he's saying, if you practice these things, this is what you'll have. But then he says, but let's say you don't. Let's say you don't practice these virtues. Then he tells you what happens. Verse 9, But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting what they have, uh, what they have been cleansed from, their old sins. 
So you won't be able to see truth or reality, and you will eventually forget what God has done for you. Man, how many times have we seen that? Maybe this has happened at some point in your life where you've kind of fell away. You, you got distracted. You got short-sighted. You got blinded by some stuff. And it made you forget. It made you forget who God was. It made you forget who God is. It made you forget what God has done for you. And if it hasn't happened in your own life, which it happens in most of our lives, sometimes multiple times, maybe it's happening in your kid's life right now. Maybe it's happening in one of your siblings' life. Where they've forgotten. It seems like they're short-sighted. It seems like they're blind. It's like they can't see. It's like they forgot all the things that you poured into them their whole life. They forgot the truth. And they've ran out and embraced culture and, and evolved in their thinking, right? The truth is they just got away from those promises. They got away from reading the Bible. They got away from studying it. And the truth is, is, if we don't fight for our faith, if we don't fight for our time with the Lord, if we're not in it daily, and yeah, I know we're not gonna, we're gonna miss days. That's, that just happens. The world is gonna take over our mind. Because the world has a way bigger, bigger shot at what we think than, what's, than what God does because the world gets more of our time. It gets more of our attention. So that's why this has to be so important. This has to be so important. The most important part of your day, anchoring to that truth, anchoring to his word, praying God, Give me faith. Grow my faith. God, help me to walk in virtue. Help me to have your knowledge. Help me to have your self-control. Help me, Lord, to have your perseverance. Lord God, help me to have godliness and, and brotherly love, and brotherly kindness. And we need to be praying that every day. Praying these virtues in our life every day. Otherwise, we're going to be losing the battle. And then he says this, closes it up, and he says, so dear brothers and sisters, okay, brothers and sisters, the ones that I love, the ones that I care about, the ones that I've, I've poured my life into, he says, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Stop acting like the world. Stop acting like those people that, that don't believe in God, that don't care prove that you really are among those that God has called. Do these things. Do these things and you will never fall away. I've never seen somebody fall away that was really, really studying scripture and spending time with God on a daily basis. Never seen it. But I've seen thousands fall away who've gotten out of the habit of spending time with the Lord. Got out of the habit of serving him. Got out of the habit of worshiping him. Got out of the habit of going to church. 
happens so subtly, right? It happens so subtly. And then before you know it, you're short-sighted. You forgot. It's crazy that the, the miracles that I have seen and ha- happen in people's lives, I'm talking miracles, visual miracles. And I'm, I thought to myself, man, that, what a faith builder for that person. And it was for six months or a year, maybe two years. And then suddenly the devil distracted, caused them to be short-sighted and blind and caused them to forget to forget that miracle that God had given them. And then he says, do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's cool. That, that doesn't mean that salvation is based on you doing these things. It means that there's a difference between barely finishing the race and finishing strong. You know, those coaches that used to make us run 490 meters, they didn't want us gassing out at the finish line. They wanted us to sprint across the line with kick left. Hey, you can run 90 more meters if you want you have that strength in you. That's what this is talking about. Finishing the race strong. Going across the line with a kick. Not just gasping for air and, and barely making it. <laughs> but crossing victoriously into the kingdom. Now, I don't know where you are with your devotional life. I don't know how good you are at staying consistent with reading scripture and and praying. I I, I would probably say that each, that's a challenge for you because it's a challenge for me. But God, what God will do for you if you just stay plugged into him. And don't don't go into it with this perfectionistic attitude of, well, I missed a day, so I'm going to start fresh next Monday. Right? But we do that. Well, I kind of blew it this month, so I'll start first of the next month. Or I blew it this month, so you know I'll do it again in next January. Just start now. Jesus doesn't care. Just start now. Would you bow with me, Lord? We come before you, and we want this year to be different. We want to make sure that we're running this race perseverance we're running this race with virtue and knowledge and self-control and Lord with godliness where we we don't we don't skip our time with you we don't take that for granted we don't check out we we're present with you and then we're, and, and we're living in love help us to never forget what you've done for us you've done so much we pulled us out of a miry, miry murky muck of, of existence. God, you rescued us. Helps to never forget that. Help us to do whatever it takes to anchor our faith in you. 
We want to do life with you. We want to finish strong. So give us that strength to do so. Give us that perseverance. We love you. And now we just want to pray for those in our life that we know have forgotten. So wherever you are, if you're sitting in this room, if you're watching from home, if you know somebody that's forgotten what God has done for them, that's just become short-sighted or blind for a season, take a second and pray for them. Lord, we pray and lift up our siblings, our parents, our kids, friendships. Holy Spirit, we would ask that you would intervene in a miraculous way and you would bring those people back. That you would do something in their mind to remind them of who you are and how much you love them everything you've done for them. We trust you with them. We give them over to you. We've tried. We've said everything we can say. We've done everything we know we can do. But now we give them over to you. Rescue them. Bring them back to you. And help us to all finish strong together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Don't miss next week. It's going to be incredible. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.